You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on promoting Black unity worldwide through conversations that help us understand ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I'm your host, Monique Russell. Today, we have an ambassador for leadership of love and education in business, in health, and in life. She's the founder of the ISHQ Leadership Academy, author of the book Manimals, and co-author of Immersion into Self-Love. Please help me welcome Miss Rahila Khan to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Monique. What an honor and privilege to join you on this platform. Today truly is God's gift. So I always like to start off this question because my guests tend to be travelers, world travelers, and have different experiences that we could always learn from. And I always like to start off with this question. If you could choose to be anywhere in the world right now, where would you choose to be and why? I'm so blessed to be where I am right now, uh, being proudly South African. And most of all, when you ask where I want to be, I would just want to be in God's love, in God's presence 24-7. So it doesn't matter whether I'm in Atlanta, whether I'm in Australia or in the United Kingdom or Africa. I think just being in God's house, wherever I am, is the best place to be. Yeah, and I'm very blessed that, you know, I have the soul journey with being of Indian descendant and then also being African. And I just love my country because it's such a beautiful country. We have the best climate in the world so it really is to be so blessed we are so so blessed in so many ways so yeah that's where I like to be and that's where I love to be right now first of all I love South Africa so I can relate to what you're saying and I love the weather love the food love the people just amazing but I really like your answer in terms of really where you want to be is where you are right now. And where you are right now is where you want to be. So in many ways, it's sort of like a borderless, uh, locationless place. You summed it up so beautifully. <laughs> now, Rahila, I mean, I have been so inspired and impressed by your work and things that you've done. It always makes me just curious to know a little bit more about the person that I get to interview. So Rahila, I love that you said that you are of Indian and uh, South African background. 
And I'm just so curious to learn a little bit more about your embrace of Africa. Every time I listen to you, talk to you, hear you speak, you're so adamant about your love of Africa and embracing Africa. Was it always this way? How did this love really for uh, both cultures evolve? And did you experience any uh, clash in between the two as you're growing up or in your experiences in life? Okay, so my forefathers were brought to Durban, KwaZulu-Natal. KwaZulu-Natal is a province, okay? The city is Durban. So they were brought from India by the British as indentured laborers to work in the sugarcane field. And they were laborers. So when you look at my heritage, it has come from the slavery mentality as it were. So we know different to the African-Americans for that matter and other Indians all over the world or African, even in India or wherever else the British took us. You know, the good thing, Monique, for me and how I was raised by my parents and being of Indian descent, you know, we were classified into four different race groups in South Africa. So we had predominantly the black population. They were referred to blacks, the African. Then you would have the Indian, then you had the white and colored population group. And to this day, although we are South Africans, we still in a way refer to each of us in that way, in terms of the separatism, you know, in, in, in the class, because we are classed according to the racial divide as it were. So we are classed in different races. And those were the four dominant race groups, you know, going back in time. So, our forefathers were also like the African, we were oppressed. And, you know, we lived through my ancestral lineage and looking at even with the African heritage, it's like almost 300 years of apartheid, of being oppressed. You know, but I got to thank God for the way we were raised as Indian kids. My dad gave us great wisdom as we were growing up in how to embrace all race groups, how to be kind, uh, if anyone came home, even if we were studying in our room, the rule is if the doorbell rings, every one of you will come to the door to greet whoever's there. That is how we were raised. And even if somebody came to do the gardening, and most often it would be somebody of black origin. You know, it was the way it was in those times. But of course, you do get Indians who also are brilliant gardeners and farmers. So even if these people showed up, we had to greet them. We had to serve them with food. So something we grew up with, my dad said, although you are getting education, although you're going to university, you will remain humble and you will remain kind. And you will always greet whoever is elder than you or whoever you meet. So these kinds of values being ingrained in us. And it so happened during the apartheid era, and even us being at university, we experienced apartheid firsthand. We were chased out of the parks. We had separate beaches. We couldn't enter certain restaurants. You know, we are literally thrown out. So growing up, even in my teens, my sister and I experienced that firsthand. And it is so humiliating, so humiliating. You feel so inferior, so substandard that you know, somebody could treat you that way. And do you know, growing up as a kid, and because my dad had a business and his business was about restoration of antiques and doing upholstery, that was his business. 
And for most of the time, we would drive through so-called white areas. And my dad would take us with him. And then we grew up talking to white people. But in there, we met Black people who were their servants. So in the socialization, we learned how to bridge the gap. You know, your podcast is so amazing. It's called Bridge You. <laughs> so, so it's so beautiful that I'm sharing this in how my dad allowed us to bridge the gap. There is this term, it's kind of a dialect, you know, the ya boss mentality. Ya boss means yes boss mentality, okay? Where you serve the master as it were. So then we would befriend the African service and we would have a go at each other and yeah, we're serving the ya boss, you know? We would have these kinds of conversations and have a good laugh about it. And yet it was so serious, but yet we could joke about it and make light of it. However, Monique, as I got into the teaching fraternity, I was in the teaching fraternity for over 20 years and our schools were all segregated. We had so-called Indian schools, so-called black schools in the townships or in the rural areas. Then you had colored schools and the white schools. And the budget by the government was, of course, the white group would get the bigger budget and the African would always get the lowest budget. Mm -hmm. What I want to share today, which is very important arising out of my life story and my journey of growing up in a home, predominantly in the business environment with my dad. My dad had worked from home. His upholstery business and his restoration of antiques was a very skilled kind of job that he did, but he taught us how to work the business with him. So what I want to share is, as Indians coming from India, we always have this entrepreneurial spirit in us. We were always taught the first thing, the highest value from the time a child is conceived, is to always have God, the teachings of God, but I would say beyond religion was spirituality. An Indian home, you'll find from the time the mother is pregnant, she's the goddess. And there's a lot of prayer that goes into the child coming in. And there's a whole lot of religious ceremonies that happen. So that's very much ingrained in us to go beyond religion and the teachings of the scriptures, but making it a way of life when we connect to this Wi-Fi, this high frequency energy, which is God. And that is what entrepreneurs are made of. So my dad taught us through his business, when you earn money, you bring the money and you keep it at the shrine and you pray. You first give it to God and say, thank you, God. So we learn the art of gratitude. And in that, when we pray, we ask for more. And that's how you grow and create and grow abundance. It's just the mind shift. Growing up in South Africa, the other thing I want to share, which is very, very important, was education. So... Our forefathers, whatever money they earned, they put it towards building schools. And here's something else I want to teach and share. And, you know, for all of Africa to hear this, because that's what I'm doing in South Africa, is although we are separated by our belief systems that we took on from elders, that we took on from society and from media about how to create separatism and how to hate each other. That was very much in force. And Nelson Mandela was so amazing. And therefore, I say, I'm so, we're so blessed to be in South Africa. I mean, we had such an amazing icon, which is Madiba. You know, we call him Tata Madiba, Grandfather Madiba. He's our grandfather. 
And for me, I took so many leaves out of his teachings because what he did, he befriended his enemies. The very oppressors that put him in prison, he befriended them. And that's how he got his books to study law whilst he was in prison. He, he befriended them in a way he thought, what can I learn from them to be better than that? And do you know when he was released from prison and for us to witness all of that, we were just crying, literally crying because it was liberation for our souls. And he met the very oppressor, his prison warden. And his prison warden once, when he asked for water or something, he literally peed on him. And when Nelson Mandela came out, he hired the same warden. And this guy was shivering in his boots because he, he realized what he did. But what was so beautiful about South Africa was that we had the Truth and Reconciliation Forum. For everyone to come out and bear your soul of what you did, what you didn't do, how you oppressed, how you killed, what horrors we experienced during apartheid, all that was kind of, you know, given a forum where we could just vent. And these are the things that were spoken about. Unfortunately, from the time of 1990, when he was released until now, we vented all the hurt and pain, but what we haven't done as South Africans is heal our wounds. We have not done that. So I, I'm, I'm gonna interject here because you are giving sure. so much wisdom, so much wisdom, so much insight. And as I'm listening to you, so your father, I mean, he gave you the grounding principles and the grounding values for being open no matter what, which I find is so fascinating because in South Africa, race was constructed differently and it was in different hierarchy. So like what, when you said that you experienced the same oppression as other Indians and other Africans around the world, that was very eye-opening. And at the same time, it's also in that segregation hierarchy that class is like the black South African is at the bottom and the white person is at the top with the amount of um, money and information that they will be able to get for schools and I find that so fascinating that you know being in an environment where it is structured differently where the class system is designed in a way for you to hate each other like you said there's a lot of people who did not have the values that your father gave or didn't have the, the insight that Nelson Mandela had, which is incredible all on its own. It's like he's living in a, in a different planet to have this heart space. So I want to know, before we get into that healing part, you know, like opening the, the heart and healing for those that are struggling in that area or they haven't been exposed to you know how to connect with people who have oppressed you or how to um, be kind even if you are in a hierarchy that society places you at the top of an individual how, how, how do you begin to connect with those folks or to help them embrace others okay you know I always like sharing from my experience of whatever I teach all right. Therefore, I say I can learn from the person I mentor or teach. And, you know, it's the children that taught me. And you know who? It's the African children, the so-called black children when I was teaching in the classroom, because there was an influx of children into our schools. They would wake up at four in the morning or five in the morning to board a train. 
and then come to our school and then walk a kilometer or two up the hill to get to our school. And these are little kids. And all they wanted was they had this inner thirst to come and learn English. And when they came to schools, thank God for the Department of Education and Culture in our country that at that time they had the bridging gap of how to teach second language learners English. And what I found with the children, there was so much love and inner thirst that when they came to my classroom, I remember having a grade four class and they would come and I would teach them through song and creative drama, you know, English. And by the end of the year, they could write the same common paper because they could learn so quickly. But what I found about them was this innocence that they had. And that's what Medeva was talking about. And through all the outreach work I did in healing work in South Africa, in the rural areas, we found that the black people are by far the most forgiving, most compassionate humans you can find on planet earth. And what I want to share is how did, did we learn this you see, at the end of the day, Monique, we all have a choice. Irrespective of what our DNA is carrying, coming through our heritage, and whatever anyone tells you, or the most negative thing somebody can tell you about another person, I would urge every person to do their own self-investigation, their own self-analysis, their own self-interrogation about it. And then you come to a place of inner validity and then seeing, hey, as much as that person is saying that my experience is totally different. So by choice, we changed our inner dialogue in my family. With my father, he changed the inner dialogue. Instead of holding racism and talking about it in that way, like Mediba, he had the inner wisdom of how to break all those stigmas attached to oppression and feeling inferior and all of that. Because we always had to obey, you know. If you didn't, unfortunately, in our country, the Black people had to carry what we call a dom pass. And if you didn't carry that, you were erased it. What was it called? We were not allowed. It was called a dom pass, D-O-M and a pass, P-A-S-S, a dom pass. Okay. It's like an ID that you carry. Because you're not allowed to be on the streets or in certain parts of the country without you know, it, it was terrible going through all of that. So this, this ID, what was this for? It was like, you have to carry to show your identification that you are Black South African oh. or if you're Indian or something like that. Yeah. Okay. It's like your legal document that you okay. carry. But it was like a very racist thing because it was only for us, certain groups. We were classified as Black, although we were Indian. So we were very much previously disadvantaged as well in many ways. I think, again, coming back to where we are in light of what happened before and what's happening currently in the world with racism and Black Lives Matter and all of that, even with Black Lives Matter, personally, I think, again, we're creating separatism because all lives matter. All lives matter. And Madiba in South Africa made reference to our country after the democracy as a rainbow nation because he wanted us all to, to be part of the government. He wanted all of us to be part of a country that we all fought for the liberation struggle. So everyone must be equal. Unfortunately, you know, that didn't happen. And recently our province, we were in floods of tears and so traumatized because of faction fighting in the government. 
you know, we had to experience such a terrible bout of looting and rioting, all in the name of corruption of a government mm -hmm. that went wrong. Again, every single one of us has choice. And I think what we need to do is go back to the drawing board. And my message today is to let go of every single thing that someone else told you about people. How have you done that? Because I mean, I know we can do that, but sometimes it's so difficult. It's, it's so difficult so, if the person has a block or if the wounds haven't been healed like how have you done yeah. how have you been able to heal yourself yeah. in this way yes so so here's the thing imagine the old self is a dvd of your past and in that dvd if you had to write it down on the page you will write the feelings of feeling not good enough inferior slavery mentality patriarchal matriarchal mentality even religion was taught in an irresponsible way to instill fear in God, but still control, you know? You're controlling people in Africa with the religion, but you steal their resources. Where does that leave them economically? And this is what we are rectifying in our country right now. The other thing is why I'm sharing all of this, Monique, it's very, very important for every single person not to be influenced. You know, there are two circles of influence. Let me just share this very quickly. So you have an inner circle. The inner circle of your influence for me would be my dad, Tata Madiba, people like you, people that would make a difference to me in living a positive life. That's my inner circle. May not necessarily be your family. Your inner circle, when you're looking at what kinds of people do you want in yourself? If you had to change, what kind of human being do you want to be? Mm -hmm. Can you see how I'm allowing my mind to create new neural pathways by clearing out the old DVD. So if my old story and DVD is playing the story of victim consciousness, life was a struggle, we were oppressed, we don't have money, we don't have a house, we are poor. But as long as you're playing that song, you're going to keep being that way and you're passing it to the next generation. So what I did for myself with my dad, I rewrote my DVD each time. Are you saying literally you did this self-investigation? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You it out yes. physically. The yes. feelings, yes. The thoughts. I just want to make sure that our audience yes. is capturing thoughts, what you would Thoughts, what you emotions, and behavior. So you did thoughts, this with your dad? Emo yes. Okay. Yes. For example, if I don't have money, how am I feeling? I'm feeling not good enough. I don't have confidence. I feel, I feel so stupid. I feel disempowered because I can't buy things. Mm -hmm. Can you see how just the thought of money can spin a story yes. that can suck you into the vortex to a point of no return? And that's what's happened to Africa. So once you write this thing down, then what do you do? You next? clean it. You, you, you can even bring in God, bring in Jesus if you believe in that. If you don't believe in God or you believe, then it's infinite wisdom or infinite intelligence. There is this greater force outside of self. You invoke that in. Okay, irrespective of your religious beliefs, invoke that in and ask God and pray upon it and say, please release my DNA from that. Can you see how you're unfurling your DNA? Yes. And you're letting that story go. Imagine it being swept out or vacuumed out or washed out. It's like the rain falling. Like when you're having a shower, you can do it. With the water falling all over you, have a cleansing shower, clearing out your DNA. 
of the past. Mm-hmm. I do that every morning. I think it's so important because, I mean, on the one hand, it's like, yes, but there was oppression. And yes, there is no money or there is no home or there is no food. And, and this is the reality that people are facing. We're not trying to say, deny that this is what you're currently facing or this state of uh, disconnection and chaos. But for me, as I'm listening to you, I see how that approach can just help to have a much more a positive outlook. Because if I stay stuck on one end in that state of being hopeless, I mean, I think once you lose hope, that's when you're giving up on life and you're giving up on everything and the opportunity to actually make a difference um, weakens and lessens. So I, I really wanted to call that out, especially for our audience, because I know our audience listening would be like, okay, yes, Monique and Rahila, you're talking about rewriting DNA, but for real, in real life, people are being oppressed. People are being killed. They don't have money. They say this is woo-woo, la-la stuff, right? So, so I want people to know, like what you said, Rahila, mm-hmm. always have a choice. You always have a choice. It starts with each of us. Like, for example, you just said, if somebody is listening to us and it sounds so wishy-washy, feely, it's like, ah, what is this? But until you don't believe it, it's not going to work. you got to have faith in the process of cleansing. Nobody can be an overnight sensation. It took me 50 years to get to where I am. Wow. Yeah, I mean. Incredible. Yeah. So if every day we hold ourselves to a high standard, and say, today I'm in God's shower, in the shower where you're literally having a shower, and God's light is showering all over me, releasing me of everything of the past that didn't work for me. Surely God is listening to you and the cleansing is happening. you got to have faith and belief in such a simple thing, and yet it works like a bomb. I know that because I've been doing it for so long. Until you practice it and see the benefits, and if you buy into it, then it's going to work. There's no magic wand out there. There's no band-aid strip. There's no magic bullet. It's full-on work on yourself that will get you out of it, providing you want to come out of this box and go into the circle of light. As long as you're in a box, you're in a square, you're trapped with the old patterns. So it's about getting rid of those thoughts in your brain because those negative thoughts are feeding your entire biochemistry with negativity. And as soon as you make the choice, I'm coming out of the square box into God's circle of light, and the circle is always moving. It's always moving and move it in a clockwise direction like Mother Earth, because Mother Earth moves in a certain way. We must move in alignment in that way. We go the opposite way with all our negativity. So the Earth is spinning in a clockwise direction We, with all our crap stories, go anti-clockwise. So you're working against the grain of God and the frequency of energy. It's no wonder life is going to be a struggle. You bring the element, too, of faith. And even if you don't believe in God, like you said, you know, the idea that you cannot do this alone, you have to bring in your element of divine, whatever that is for you. And you have to bring that in to be able to help you move through being disconnected first with self and then being disconnected with others, even those that have harmed you. You're not going to deny your story, but you just don't 
continue to walk in your story. Yes, these things have happened and you are surviving. You, you have survived. So I want to know from you, like going through this whole process, you mentioned being traumatized when you and your sister were younger as well, and just feeling oppressed and just living in an environment, even if you're not directly oppressed, but you're seeing oppression, that in itself is traumatic. What are two things that you now realize from doing the healing work on yourself? There's no other way. There is no other way except to heal yourself. Healing is the way forward. It's, it's about allowing God in. That frequency of energy, it's like Wi-Fi. We allow God in. You know what happens, Monique, with struggle and strife? You forget, you know, we're so hard on ourselves. We build this invisible wall around us to protect ourselves from the whole world. And you know what we do? It's all about self-hatred, self-judgment, and how terrible we are. Never mind the rest of the world, how bad we are. And we lump it on ourselves, actually. That's what I did my whole life. I never knew how to love myself until I went into my training program in emotional mastery, you know, because we don't realize that we actually do that. And that can only come through self-realization. And that self-realization can only happen when you learn to accept all your negative thoughts you learn to accept all your negative feelings and emotions. And when you learn to accept that your behavior sucks, that actually I'm terrible. You know what? I'm not doing the best I can. Like, come and wake up now and give yourself a couple of slaps and wake up. You know, it's like God slapping you, but you still don't want to wake up. Like, what mm -hmm. is wrong with you? You know, for me, it is bringing those things in alignment. Very, very important. Your thoughts, your feelings and emotions. You come into a state of being. I feel so released. I dropped all the judgment. Can you see? I feel so good that I can learn to love myself, that it's okay for me to eat a chocolate, even if I don't have the money to buy my child something. Sometimes, you know, when we, when we don't have a lot of money and then you're buying groceries and then you think, oh, you've got your kids at home and oh, I want to have the chocolate. And then when you sit in the car and you open it, you say, no, I can't eat it because I haven't given my kids yet. I'm talking about those mothers who don't have and, and feel bad for the kids all the time. Yeah. You know, we go on these guilt trips. Those are the things I'm talking about. We forget to celebrate in the moment. Have the chocolate and say yay and dance and do whatever and finish with it and say, yes, I need the energy. I'm worthy of the energy. Can you see? The moment you say, I'm worthy of life, I'm worthy of God's love, I'm worthy of having everything of the best, instantaneously God will allow it to flow to you. The secret to life, what my dad taught me, what Madiba taught us, what did Madiba do in bringing the whole country together? He used sport. He took the white man's sport, which was rugby, and he brought the whole country together and we had the World Cup in our country. And everyone wanted to come to South Africa because of Madiba. So he, he united South Africa, but he united the whole world just using sport as an example. So what is it that I can do today to change? If I can change one thing that I'd like to do, that I can be different tomorrow. I make the choice right now. I'm going to smile more at myself and I see my face in the mirror. It's just that one small thing. And then when you do it the next day, the whole world smiles back. That is creating abundance. That one small step you took, God 
took a thousand steps to get to you to give you a thousand smiles because you learned to smile. It's such a simple thing. When you tell me, whoever's listening to this, tell me you can't do that. Surely yeah. you can. Rahila, you are giving us a master class in self-love and forgiveness. Yeah. From from yeah. an individual level to a country level. And I think especially, and what's so unique about this is, especially in situations of heavy conflict and heavy yeah. trauma, um, because South yes. Africa surely has taken the gold star for the trauma in the past with apartheid and, you know, like just the atrocities that have happened there and some of the things that are still being played out. So what I heard you mm -hmm. say when you're talking about the after doing your healing work, the things you realize was that one, there's no other way but the way to healing. And two, you didn't realize then that you didn't love yourself until you started going through your own emotional mastery journey. So many times we're walking around thinking that we actually love ourselves, but we, we have those blinders on. We have those moments of being unaware. We think we do, but don't really until we actually do the steps that you pointed out for us in this episode. Yeah. And I know we're getting ready to wrap up. I want to make sure that I point out to the audience some of the really important things as you're building unity, as you're building connection among Black cultures and yourself worldwide. Do your own self-investigation and start with writing it down, writing every thought, feeling, emotion down. You do have a choice. Remember that always. If you feel that you are isolated or handicapped or limited or just inferior or weak. Rahila gave us her formula. Maybe it might work for you too. You have a choice. And something else you can do is connect with the children. You know, when Rahila told us about her experience with the children and coming to teach English as a second language, children carry so much innocence. It doesn't matter where they are from, what race they are, what ethnicity or background, start to connect with the children, to open your heart to connection. Another thing that you can think about in terms of unity and understanding is find familiar things like sports. Find the language that you can use to teach one another. These are all good ways of building a bridge to yourself, having understanding among cultures and unity in your life. Rahila, before we start to close, is there anything that you'd like to say to our audience that you haven't shared? I think, you know, taking on from where you left off just now, just to add to that, we are all her children in adult bodies. I'd repeat that. We are hurt children in adult bodies. When you look at adults hurting each other, when you look at the way governments are at the moment, they are all her children. People in parliament are all her children. They bring the baggage from the home to parliament and they're all having this. It's like two gangs fighting. Why must you have opposition to a government? Why do you need to oppose? Can we not work in a collaborative way where collaborative intelligence takes over? We spoke about today, emotional intelligence plus spiritual intelligence is greater than intellectual intelligence. I would like to talk on how can we collaborate to come together to make our country better, which the people are doing right now. This recent looting and rioting has brought the minority groups as well as 
the black people of South Africa so close together in seeking out how can we form a new government of what Madiba wanted, the rainbow nation. That's what we are building currently. And children are the best way because when we can hug and love everyone's children as a community, you're going to have a happy community. You see? So as Madiba said, if people taught us how to hate one another, surely we could teach people how to love one another. And that is what I took from him in becoming an advocate of transformational leadership of love. Mine is LOL, leadership of love. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I am on my own as my own ambassador for my own country, Africa and globally. This is the message we're putting out all the time is to bring love. If we can only hone in on love, love transmutes all negativity. So when we start with self and loving every aspect of ourselves, then you will only attract love. You will only give and receive love. And that is the greatest source of abundance coming from God. And in that you will then create more and more abundance and prosperity, even economic prosperity, which we want to work with in how to do this and teach everyone the secret of becoming rich is an energy field that you connect with. Whatever you want must come to you. For me, when I want to earn a certain amount of money, I just speak to God and say, give me so many clients and that's my budget for the month and it comes. So you must get to the place of self-mastery. Whatever you want must come for you. You don't need to work hard. You must work smart, work intelligently, work with intuitive intelligence, with collaborative intelligence. Everything is an energy field, including humans. Today, I attracted you to me because it's synchronized. This is what we call design synchronicity. So when we tap into the universal laws, it's not about religion. God is everywhere, right? Religion is a foundation of our beliefs, of our values. But let's take it another step further. Let's become Jesus. Whoever was in the presence of Jesus was healed. So I'm saying if Jesus was the greatest healer, then Rahila can be the greatest healer. Whoever is in the presence can be healed. It's so simple. And I work on it 24-7 because when you invoke that consciousness, then you will become that. And people will resonate with you. This is how simple it actually is. You see, we always want, we think something has to be like difficult. You have to work through it and struggle through it. No, it is so simple. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. I've been through all the hardships. I don't want to go there. Therefore, I want to teach somebody the quickest way to do it. Yes, this has been amazing. And I hope that everyone listening to this episode listens to it at least three times because I promise you will get something insightful each time you listen to it. This has been loaded with so much information and so much self-transformation. I want to thank you for being a guest on our show. If they would like to connect with you, where can they find you online? LinkedIn, on Facebook. So you're Rahi Lakhan yes. on LinkedIn and also on Facebook. You can connect with her. Yes. Make sure that you connect with her. Let her know that you listen to this show and that you were inspired and empowered and transformed. Once again, thank you for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Make sure that you give us a five-star review. Let us know how this work has served you. And until next time, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. 
visit clairecommunicationsolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at Clear Communication Coach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.